welcome to On Message. This is Chad McLeod coming to you from Lakeland, Florida in the podcast studio with my brother and business partner and fellow co-host of the podcast. And we said last episode that we would come back for at least one before we head into the summer and take some time off from the podcast and, and reset. And so here we are. We're back. It's Friday, May 27th, Memorial Day weekend as we head into a long weekend and uh, certainly remember and honor members of the military and those who have given the ultimate sacrifice to our nation. And as we remember that this weekend, and uh, we know that there are a lot of veterans out there. And so I uh, certainly wanted to, to remember that. Uh, talking about uh, this week, there's several things. Well, first, before we get into the stories, uh, I want to thank Molly McPherson, who had me on the Indestructible PR podcast. Molly is a PR consultant, and we connected uh, through her podcast and just reaching out and saying, hey, um, from time to time, we do that, and we have people come to us and ask about coming on our show as well, and um, had pitched a couple of topics that, that I could come and talk about, and op-eds was one of them, and, and that was something that was of interest to her, and, and I really had a good time talking with Molly, just kind of from the basics of what is an op-ed, what does mm-hmm. it mean, how is it different than a news release, when would you use one, uh, what advice would you have for somebody who is kind of a DIYer and wants to write one themselves? And, and what does that look like? And um, I appreciate Molly's patience because we had scheduled the interview several times and I had things that would pop up last minute and have to reschedule. And so we finally got the interview recorded and it uh, she posted the, the episode this week. And, and I just I had a good time talking with her. And so if you get a chance, Indestructible PR with Molly McPherson, you can find that wherever you find your podcast. Uh, Joe, what did you think? Did you get a chance to listen to it? I did. Did, I I, did, it... did I represent well? Because Joe, yeah. <laughs> is just for context, is actually the op-ed expert. Um, I've written a couple as well, but uh, Joe started in the world of op-eds before I did and kind of brought me into it. You mentioned that in your discussion with Molly, so you, you gave I try not the, to go the credit. <laughs> take all the credit. Right. Uh, on there, that there's one. only one thing I have to correct you on, but it's not not a big deal. You you were close because you talked about me getting started into op eds, and you said it was in when I was in college, which right. is true. The first publication wasn't the Palm Beach. It wasn't the Palm Beach Post. It was the Orlando Sentinel when I was at UCF in grad school. So I was in Orlando. Uh, But minor details. But other than that. That's the only thing that I got wrong out of the uh, (laughs) 25-minute conversation. Then I'll I'll take it for sure. But, yeah, I would love for you to check that out. And that's an an area of of our firm uh, uh, PR strategy and at times a tool uh, as part of a strategy that we use for clients frequently. And so talking about that and, and what exactly it is and when you would write an op-ed and when you wouldn't and what are some of the, the key things that people should keep in mind. Molly, I, I saw where she called it a, a throwback on one of her social media posts, you know, uh, saying that this was something that she remembers people talking about a lot, like in the 90s and before, but not so much anymore. And I said, I think that's unfortunate because it's easily overlooked yeah. if you know how to do it. But it's right. something that's not... Uh, there are a number of people, I would say, in PR who have never written one and might not know where to start. I'm sure they could figure it out and work their way through it. But it, it is not as commonly practiced in in PR, at least among every PR professional. Well, it sounds old. Yeah. It sounds outdated. <laughs> right. And, but as you pointed out in your discussion with Molly, that it, it's not... I mean, it can stand alone. Like, if you just want... And that's when I started writing op-eds. I just... I just wanted to be a voice on an issue, and that was it. I Personally, I would write on certain topics that I believed in or had some thoughts and just wanted to be part of that 
public discussion, but it can be part of a greater PR strategy. And so it can stand alone, but it can be part of a broader, more strategic effort to drive change, to be uh, out in front on an issue. And there's so many issues today that people are trying to um, they're trying to influence. And the op-ed is, I believe, it's one of the most overlooked and underused tools that's still at our disposal. Yeah, Molly wanted to know if we had written on some of the more controversial issues in Florida. Right. Because when people hear you're from Florida, she's, the first thing she said is, you, nothing is happening in the state of Florida. You don't have anything of controversy. No, and so, Disney, uh, yeah, yeah, nothing so, like that. So I didn't get into the specifics of other than saying, no, we, we have never had a client that has intersected with Disney. Disney is not a client of ours, and so we're not in that debate um, on behalf of clients. But uh, I, I think she was intrigued of you know, some of the, the opportunities that, that might present themselves. And, and I said, look, there's a range of issues that people can can write on it doesn't always have to be something that is the center of controversy it can be but it doesn't they're just and i encourage people i said go molly wanted to know some of the tips i would have for for people considering writing an op-ed and and i said i encourage people to read editorials to read the opinion pages of different publications and get a sense and a feel for what the columns are like and the types of positions types of issues that are out there i think that's helpful So we're covering on this podcast, most of you know this by now, communication tips for leaders, trends and insights into the public relations industry and the best stories in PR and communications. And we're going to hit a couple of those today. The state of the industry. I know that sounds exciting. They did. I'm glad and you didn't I, start I, off with that because that that immediately. When I get these kind of emails, especially from groups out. like this is Muckrack, and they are uh, among other things, but but they have a media database and and um, they are a software provider to, to PR professionals. But when I get these types of emails from people in our industry it's like i just i'm drawn in i want to know like what is the state of the pr industry in 2022 there's nothing earth shattering in this and what they put out was they called it a snapshot of of a survey of pr professionals throughout the country and i guess it will be more in depth uh, what is coming later but some of the things that they they put in this infographic the top three pr challenges right now number one getting responses from journalists two budget limitations and three measuring business impact and i think this could probably be relevant for any given year i don't know that this is specific for 2022 but i was i I don't know the the number one challenge of getting a response from journalists to me sounded I, i was a bit surprised by that because i feel like if you do your job well representing clients and contacting the media. There are times where you won't get a response, but you should get more responses than yes. not, I think. So I was, I, I was a little surprised at that one that in our industry, people are having a hard time getting a response from a journalist. Right. I mean, because we talk about that a lot. We talk about how do you pitch a story? Because really, there is that there should be that mutual relationship between the PR person and and the journalist because they have to crank out stories. They need information. And if you're in PR, what are you doing? You're representing organizations, whether it's in-house or on the client side, and you should be delivering stories to them. And so I, I was perplexed at that, too. I know that can be frustrating. I mean, we but but when we pitch stories to to media, we try to do our legwork on the front end to make sure that it's going to be something that's going to get their attention. It's going to be, it's going to check all the boxes for being relevant and interesting right. news. 
And so it's just a matter of, of being persistent and reaching out. So I, yeah, I was a little taken aback by that one as well. The, the one about measuring business impact, and then it says 49% of the survey respondents say producing measurable results would help increase the value of PR within their organization. And, and I am a bit surprised that we're still talking about this as an industry. And, and I don't want to sound like we just have it all figured out around here and we're perfect. But this, I remember in PR measurement in undergrad talking about this. That's been some time ago now. And I think we always stress when people say, how do you measure success? It depends on the client and what's most important to them. What are their bottom line goals? What are the outcomes and how do we tie back to that? And if, if you can't identify that and figure out how where the tie-in is and how do you show that what you're doing is related to those outcome goals, then I think you have a problem. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're not doing, um, I don't want to say you're not convincing, but you are not showing your value. And I can see why people would question, well, what? Wh- why are we paying you this yeah. much money? And, and maybe that's because for us, and, and I think the agencies are we can relate to smaller firms, like you have to show your value. Mm-hmm. You're not big enough to just kind of operate and do and and it's been part of a budget you are competing and uh, with others out there in the marketplace and you know that you could be replaced at any given moment and you got to show like this is what we're doing and this is how we are helping you as an organization advance whatever whatever it is you're trying to do that's my business pitch for us (laughs) yeah but i think some people look at it because they want to if you run a social media campaign and let's say you're selling something so it's a product of a b2c product you you can look at that and you can look at your impressions you can run analytics and you you can see raw data on the effectiveness of that social media campaign um like if you're selling a product how many products sold how many people went to our page and so you can run the numbers but sometimes there are aspects of pr that aren't as directly measurable. Mm. Like, how do you measure the relationship between you and your loved one, between you and your significant other? Like, how do you how do you quantify that? that that's hard. That can right. be hard. And so sometimes that discussion about measurement and how are we, you know, is this working? Well, and it goes back to what you said. Well, what's the goals of, of the client? What's your ultimate mission? And is this are these tactics, which are feeding a strategy, is it supporting that mission? And sometimes you can clearly quantify it. Sometimes it's a little more uh, abstract, but that's when you have to articulate why, hey, I think this is effective. I mean, and I'm just thinking of different examples here off the top of my head, but, um, or I'm running through different examples, trying to decide which one I want to pick. But but yeah, I just, I, sometimes that can be a hard question to answer, but those of us in PR have to be able to defend, we have to first define what success looks right. like and then defend this is why we believe what we're doing is helping the organization. The last thing I'll say on this is that Tuesday mornings are the, when most PR pros prefer to send pitches to the media. Yeah, that was interesting. And I guess I can see why. I I don't know that there is anything magical about Tuesdays for getting your story covered or getting the interest of a reporter. Mondays are you're coming off a weekend and there seems to be more going on or maybe 
you're thinking that when you're sending emails, there are more sitting in someone's inbox potentially on a Monday yeah. morning than, than a Tuesday. But I don't know that Tuesday is any better than a Wednesday right. or a Thursday, or if you have to on Friday in, in the way information is today. But I just found that interesting. Tuesday I mornings. It, I think about those media summits when you bring in like 10 reporters and journalists yeah. and you ask them like, what do they prefer? And they all have to, well, you know, contact me in the morning. Don't email or don't call. Don't yeah. ever call. Right. You know, email <laughs> only. Don't ever call. And, and so they have these very strict and defined parameters for contacting them. And just my approach to this, I'm just going to throw it out there and other PR pros can debate me on it. I don't get too wrapped up into the time because you just don't know right. what the journalist, what the reporter is doing, what they're looking for. Um, I, it's just, hey, this is this is what I have to get out. I'm ready to send it. I'm going to send it. And I'm going to kind of leave it out there for just – there's so much that's out of my control. I don't try to – I know some people say, well, should we send this out on a Friday afternoon? You know, if it's – the old adage, if it's bad news, you send it out on Friday so that way it – it, you know, it doesn't get covered. Right. You, you hope it gets buried over the weekend. And well, now with the 24 hour news cycle, that's not as as germane. But um, I yeah, I my approach is just send it when you're ready and yeah. leave it into the hands of the reporter. Right. Talk a little bit about so Walmart going switching gears and going into a story and the headline that um I saw today, Walmart apologizes for Juneteenth products after customer backlash on social media. Um, so Walmart released Juneteenth themed products and, mm -hmm. and among those uh, was ice cream. And so there's, it's under the Walmart brand, great value is their brand and they have a, had released a Juneteenth ice cream and there was a lot of backlash on social media, people saying this is not appropriate seems to to miss it's not fitting to have an ice cream product or flavor associated with a holiday that is meant to recognize and celebrate the emancipation the, the freedom of of slaves looking at this i i can see why and I'm, I'm almost i'm curious how walmart got to the point of rolling this out or yeah. thinking that this didn't i'm surprised it made it all the way into the store it's my first take on it. Well, we covered, and I, I meant to, to look back at this so I could get the story correct, but we covered, I think it was a year ago, when, when Ikea did something similar. It was, was it around June, Juneteenth or it may have been another holiday to where they did like the soul food day. Yes. And yeah. that was, that right. was, uh, created same thing and a lot of negative feedback and the question that we asked then and what you're asking now is did they have like when, when you're looking at anything that is related to diversity uh, to DNI like you want to make sure that when you're making those decisions you have representation at the table that will weigh into that yeah. that it's it's people who are uh, or it's a group that is diverse and you have people that can can attest, okay, is this – would you find this – go around the table. Do you find this offensive? Do you think people would? Do you think people would welcome it? Um, because I would assume – I don't shop at Walmart a lot, um, but I would assume that Walmart does like, you know, Fourth of July. I know – I mean, Christ, I'm thinking Christmas. Um, 
products sure. around other yeah. holidays. Right. But this is is different. Yeah. And so I, I see what what Walmart was trying to do, and maybe they're arguing that this is a line with we we celebrate every other holiday. Right. This is now a new holiday, and we want to celebrate it too. But there are certainly nuances around uh, any issue pertaining to race. And so um, were there people at the table to raise the red flag and say, ah, this might not work? Right. I think it's always risky when a company is selling products using a holiday or, or trying to maybe it's the appearance of we're celebrating this. We are observing this holiday. But when you're selling something, food products and things, yes. there's a risk of going too far. So now we're just trying to commercialize boost sales, yeah, to commercialize the holiday, and and so you could make a case for maybe there was product and, and things that you, you could sell under the the Juneteenth theme and holiday, but going as far as now we're going to produce ice cream and it, it's just it, it if you look at the criticism they received, and I, I think it's understandable that it, it did not connect, that it really missed and, and just seemed to be an attempt to, and now we're going to, as you said, commercialize this holiday in our stores. Yeah, and I, this is an opportunity for other businesses to look at what's happened. And that's why we do this podcast, is to evaluate decisions that are made, campaigns that are run, PR crises, and then look at are there takeaways from this, and so, um, so yeah, I think all those things have to be in the calculus when you're trying to decide, hey, we want to do something, and maybe the motives were good or were noble, and hey, we because we've been hearing rightly so that organizations need to be more inclusive, organizations need to 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 consider and not just not just make statements, but to actually have policies and practices that foster inclusion and diversity and so those are all good things but what does that look like right you know and so that and that's where you know we always say the devil's in the details you know that and and that's where it, it can get really murky is even if your intentions are good it, it, how that message or that action is received right. and interpreted and the perception the, right, perceived right, as well is yeah. is is not aligned with what what was intended. And Walmart's statement that they put out this week says, it's three sentences. Juneteenth holiday marks a commemoration and celebration of freedom and independence. However, we received feedback that a few items caused concern for some of our customers, and we sincerely apologize. We are reviewing our assortment and will remove items as appropriate. And I think that was well done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. That was good. So talk a little bit about, you mentioned before we started recording, a story you saw about social media needing a pause button. Yeah, um, you know, this we're recording this Memorial Day weekend, and there's obviously so much going on in the news, and we're we're still in the the wake of the horrible tragedy, the shooting that happened in Texas, and um, it, you know when that happened, and when other events uh, that are catastrophic, disastrous, horrible happen, I mean, your, your social media feed just. Yeah. blows up yeah. and it just everybody is is saying not not the same thing you have everybody kind of in their corners politically sometimes but it, it's taking up a lot of the the social media space so you're a brand you're a company you're putting you know content out on a regular basis when there's something some type of crisis 
Um, or maybe it's something really positive that's just generating. It's 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 taking up a lot of social capital um, on social media. Do you do you hit pause? Do you say, look, this is what we had scheduled to come out. Maybe it was an announcement. Maybe it was just uh, content that you're trying to get people engaged. Does it look tone deaf if you right. are you're in the wake of the nation or your community? Uh, your your audience is in the wake of some type of earth-shattering event, and what you're putting out just pales in comparison to what is in the minds of everybody at that time. So um, I, the, the article was – it's NPR News written by Mark Renfrey, uh, Why You Need a Social Media Pause Button During a Crisis. And you know, it, 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 it just talks about the fact that there, because information moves so quickly – you might first of all you might be out of the loop you just may not know like you're posting content or you have it a lot of times what we'll do for clients and even our own uh social media we'll schedule it out like we'll put it and so you you could forget about it and so um you're out of the loop or um and i think that's what happens a lot there's just you have your your content scheduled to drop and it goes out but it the timing turns out not to be um the, the best and it can have a, a, a negative effect on your brand so uh what are your thoughts just kind of some general practices for if you're if you're on social media you're maybe you're scheduling your content or maybe you just jump on and you your company you just had an event or something you want to post and get it out there uh what should, are there times where you should just say okay let's hold this and and what yes. are those times and sometimes less is more than yeah i think there can be a thought of, well, you have to post every day. I, I don't know that that's a hard and fast rule for anything, but there are times, and I think this speaks to the the role of social media managers has grown and continues to become increasingly complex. Yes. And just the, the different, it, it's not enough just to, to be skilled in the tactical area of creating the content and knowing how to post and and visually appealing depending on the platform you're on and that your content is works for that platform but to be aware of conversations that are happening be up to speed on news to be following events throughout the day and sometimes night as they're happening and so that's rarely especially in bigger organizations rest with one person it's a team there are multiple people behind it and so i i do think yes there are times where you would want to pause and and it's there there is not a pause button on any platform uh-huh. that i'm aware of so it if you've scheduled things you, you have to go in and unschedule them right you, you have to be aware that you have scheduled things you um sometimes may forget until you see a, a post go out and and i don't know that it is if there is something that is a major event it's a national tragedy it's something that has happened if you inadvertently if a post went out and it's not related to that in any way i I don't know that it's the end of of your brand but you don't want to do that repeatedly because then it starts to make you look tone deaf or as if you're just not you're ignoring what's happening and continuing to push your organization so i do think it's something that it is situational and sometimes day by day, depending on what is what is happening. Yeah, that's such a good point about the complexity of the social media manager. Yeah. I remember, uh, you know, it's 
when social media started to be a thing, companies would hire like an intern. Yeah. They put them in a cubicle and they'd be like, all right, put stuff on, on the internet, you know, yeah. send it to the internet. <laughs> and uh, um, it, you put it out there on the Facebook. Yeah. And it, it was, it, it was, you had just the, uh, someone who uh, kind of a young techie. It and, reminds me of the movie, the intern where they're, um, <laughs> uh, where it's, um, Owen Wilson and who is the other guy in the movie of uh, uh, Vaughn yeah. Vince Vaughn Vince Vaughn and and they're old as interns go and they Vince Vaughn keeps saying on the line we're gonna put it on the line right. and they're like it's online it's <laughs> right. not on the yeah, line they're so. going to Google yeah. right <laughs> uh, yeah I mean that that's a, that's a good point it, it's not uh, you, you want to have and you don't want to put all that pressure on one person yeah. either to make these these hard calls um, it, it, having input from others is, is certainly helpful but I think it's important to have a process in place for social media yeah. and part of that process is when do you stop yeah putting content out I heard a good tip this week so I mentioned we were on the top 40 PR podcast in BuzzFeed was not BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed. no <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> not yet um, <laughs> oh I well I had it pulled up a, a minute ago it's um, buzz something isn't it um, I didn't think buzz when I said that out loud I thought I don't, I don't think BuzzFeed did a top 40 PR podcast uh, oh, I'm gonna I'll, I'll get it in a minute I can't well, think I'll, of I'll it keep right moving. Now. You find it. But one of the other podcasts that is on that list, I was listening to it this week. They had a PR professional who specializes in crisis communications and has done a lot of, I think, FEMA, natural disaster, like true disaster mm. crises. Um, maybe law, this uh, lady, I think, had a law enforcement background, but incidents like we've seen this week, she is mm. was the... the public information officer, the one briefing the media, working with police chiefs and, and people. And she talked about social media and she said one tip that is overlooked until you need it is in every organization, make sure you know where and who has the credentials, the username and password for your platforms. Mm. Because if you bring in somebody to help, you may need to do that and they need access to your social media platforms and accounts and she said i've seen it many times where i I need i need to get into to to facebook and and no one knows who has the username and password who retired five years ago (laughs) and so that is not the time to realize no one has access to it and you can't and where there's a need to get information out immediately and so i thought that was really basic practical tip that I bet a lot of organizations right now would have to stop and say, who does have the the username and passwords for these accounts? Yeah. So if you're out there listening, yeah, that's good. That's a free one. Okay, what's feed, the feed spot? Feed spot. Okay, so I didn't so the feed. Right, I had that were, in my head. Okay, so there. we are we are the uh, number twenty five in the top forty PR podcast in feed spot. And we'll keep an eye out for BuzzFeed to do right. their. Their rankings. So maybe we shouldn't take a break. I don't know. Maybe we should. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking a break. I've already have been blocked off June and July, not from the business, the, right. the broader PR business, but from on message. Anything else you want to share? 
Joe, uh, the end of this episode. Well, I want to I want to give a shout out to Barbara from Switzerland. She emailed us a couple of days ago, um, just uh, saying she continues to listen to the podcast. And because in the last episode she listened to, you asked for listener feedback, like yeah. you do in most cases. Yeah, so I didn't hear from anybody. She so said you... she said she she had some feedback, and she said she wants more of me and less of you. Um, no, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, no, That's she fine. Didn't if that. you don't want to take a break, keep going. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm yeah. going to take a break too. But no, no, she didn't. But um, she. She, she was very kind, um, but she did say that she likes the Is It a PR Stunt segment. We appreciate that, Barbara. She may be the um, listener farthest from Lakeland. I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If somebody be. else out there thinks they are farther away from Lakeland, Florida than Switzerland, email us. Yeah, let us what, know. what email address did that come to, Joe? It, uh, it came to mine. Yours. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. okay. I didn't know if there was. We've had several over the years. But, yeah, thank you, Barbara. We appreciate that feedback for sure. As always, thank you for listening to On Message. You can find us wherever you find your podcast. Again, we want to wish you a happy Memorial Day weekend. And uh, you can find out more about our business, McLeod Communications, at mccloudcommunications.com. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll see you back again soon.